Welcome to Five Start Weekly. We now know Atlanta United's opponent in the round of 16 for the CONCACAF Champions League. And also, Atlanta United signed, re-signed. We have a player we had last season. We discuss all that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Shark fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by The Crossing, a family-owned traditional steakhouse located in historic downtown Norcross in the old train depot, serving mouth-watering steaks, seafood, and more with the quality of a fine dining establishment complemented by a casual setting. So guys and gals, let's get right into the news. And first up on the docket is the opponent for the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 has been revealed, and it is FC Matagua, a Honduran side. They're the second most successful side in Honduran history in their league. And uh, yeah, they are going to be a handful, I think, uh, especially at their home stadium, Estadio Nacional. Apparently, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, very sim a lot of similar similarities to the Arediano kind of uh, pitch. Vibe. Oh, lovely. That was such an enjoyable <laughs> experience last year, that nightmare in Herediano. I mean, I think with the Champions League, especially with these teams in Central America, you can't underestimate them just because they have less money and they play in a poor league, you could say. It's, it's the travel's difficult. You're going into a place that doesn't have the nicest facilities in the world, and they're usually a couple games deep into their season. And this is the first, you know, competitive game that Atlanta will be playing in the 2020 season. We saw what happened last year. This year, thankfully, it'll be the second year under DeBoer, so it won't be a bunch of new ideas that the players will be using. They'll be comfortable, ideally, with the system he wants them to run. But again, that being said, you never know what can happen in these early Champions League ties. And hopefully, Atlanta doesn't get killed off in the first leg, and we can bring it back to Fifth Third Bank Stadium and get a good result and get on to the next round. Right, because they are a team that I think, yes, we should get past, but they will be difficult at home. And then on that return leg, which has been confirmed to be the Kennesaw State Stadium, Fifth Third Bank Stadium, uh, yeah, it will be a little bit, I think, you know, a little bit familiar grounds for Atlanta United. Not maybe the best, but uh, it is at least something that they've played on before. We are technically undefeated on that pitch. So, okay, uh, not the worst uh, in terms of that. But uh, Hashtag Monster Jam. <laughs> hashtag Monster Jam. God. But uh, in terms of this side, Matagua, they, uh, it is their fifth appearance in the CONCACAF Champions League, and they've never actually kind of advanced past the round of 16, so that actually bodes well, but uh, let's not be the first team that they actually beat in the round of 16 either. Uh, so it is not a side that we should take lightly, but if we do get past them, it is, there is a pretty tasty kind of fixture that we could uh, face in that it is Club America, uh, but you know, that's seeing if we both advance. But, uh, you know, Club America, that would be really interesting. There's a lot of, uh, a little bit of... Uh, There's a little bit know, of history there between the clubs because of that, cool. that Campionius Cup game, which, in my opinion, was the most exciting game I've ever been to for Atlanta United. The atmosphere was incredible. The game itself was highly entertaining, up and right. down, wide open. You really saw the pace and the skill and the technical prowess of a top-level Liga MX team. And they the were fact good. that we beat them we in beat a them. final is very... And they wanted to win it. Yeah. There, there were no buzz about it. They got made fun of in their newspapers when they got beat by us. And so, really, they will be looking for revenge if this does happen. And also, they they, uh, they also play at es uh, Estadio Azteca, which is 
I don't know. You just Google that. It is beautiful. It is one so. of the most difficult places to play in the world because <laughs> of the it. altitude, the fans. It will be an incredible place. The, the, maybe the view of it isn't as great as Monterey last year. But that being said, this is one of the historic grounds right. in world you know, football and, and, and soccer. And that would be an incredible matchup. But again, Atlanta has to take care of FC Montagua first. We'll take care of all of the match previews and breakdowns. And I'll get into a lot more detail close. closer to that day because we still don't even know what our roster will look like for next year. Right. But hey, at least we know the team and it's not ready on it right. as far as I'm concerned. Right. And at least uh, this tidbit, uh, you know, we know that P.T. Martinez will likely be on the team, and the gaffer for this team, Diego Vasquez, has been known to be a River Plate fan and a P.T. Martinez fan. So, really interesting there, in that, uh, you know, maybe he will pay a lot of respect to P.T. Martinez, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe alter the tactics too hard, and maybe he'll play in our favor. Exactly. Who knows? Pity hat trick? I'd be up for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he shows up in big games, so maybe uh, you know he can uh, you know get the a little a little hat trick off of. Uh, I feel know, like the... a settled Pity Martinez in the Champions League right. is a massive boost because uh -huh. he had a lot of you know settling in problems this year, and if he's comfortable in the team moving into 2020, having a Pity Martinez who's comfortable with his teammates and his surroundings in a competition like this, where the style of play is a lot more to what he's used to, a lot more to what he's comfortable with, especially especially if you do advance and play against a, a team like Club America. I think that's where you could really see the best of Pity Martinez. Yeah. And it'd be early season, but I still think it'd be great viewing. All right, agreed. And uh, in terms of the full bracket, uh, we're on a tough side as uh, we're on the same side as an LAFC, a Club Leon, who are playing each other, actually. That's a really rough draw for LAFC. <sighs> yeah, they probably got the shaft in terms of, uh, you know, the unluckiest of the draws. Um, yeah, I mean... Oh, don't worry, Cruz Azul is also on this side yes, of the bracket. It's pretty much us, and if we, uh, you know, get past any of, uh, you know, the rounds, then we are facing Liga MX's teams. And, and I'm going to go ahead and make a early and bold prediction. T-Grace is going to win the other side because they are the best team by a mile on that side of the bracket, in my opinion. Right. And then Seattle Sounders may be lucked in uh, getting that over there on that side. Well, especially their bottom part of the bracket. I mean, yeah. they, they have Montreal Olympia, and Montreal, France. and Saprissa. So yeah. they, they, could, easier. they could get to the semifinal or so, but T-Grace right. is winning that side of the bracket. I'm just right. saying that right now. Yeah, because, I mean, you have uh, Montreal Impact who has a new manager in Thierry Henry and that's going to be really a really tall task for him to get everything together in that time Ooh, uh, it'll be like Frank DeBoer you know and way less resources essentially so uh, and then also NYCFC you know they also are managerless so that will be interesting for them they yeah. Tigers is winning on side of the bracket yeah, <laughs> just, looks a little easier on paper at least uh, you know don't quote us on this just because we're you know in my opinion I think on that side but, the team that you'd have to pick a team, the number of teams that could win it on that side of the bracket, one, T Grace. Number of teams that could win it on the Atlanta side of the bracket, four. Several, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so, you know, it's going to be a fun Champions League. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. And if we do get through this gauntlet, then all right. We will have earned it for that's, sure. That's the thing when you think about it yeah. is that at the end of the day, you want to test yourself against the best teams in the region. And how do you do that? You play in the Champions League and play against these 
big teams for Mexico because they are the powerhouses of this hemisphere. So you play them, you beat them, you earn respect worldwide, yeah. and people really take you seriously in terms of what this club means, how far it's come. So year four, you're playing the big boys, you are expected to win in these games, that's what we want to do. And, you know, hopefully MLS realizes that in order to compete with that, we need to open things up a bit more, but we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Right. But uh, in terms of that, yeah, just to, you know, uh, continue what you're saying, it's really, you know, if we want to be considered a big club, we want to perform in these big fixtures. We want to uh, win the Champions League, maybe be the first team besides the Liga Emeki's team to do it as well. And it's kind of Current. new incarnation yeah. anyway. And so, yeah, I think uh, winning it would be a fantastic way to really stamp the arrival of LA United on a kind of more, at least hemisphere scale. But well, positive is a player that has some experience against Club America is going to be plying his trade in MLS with Atlanta United again next year. Yes, indeed. So Emerson Hyman has been signed to a permanent transfer with LA United from Bournemouth and so you know it's going to be a multi-year contract going till 2022 which is uh, quite a while so that's pretty good um, and uh, it's also um, you know it's interesting that there's no kind of transfer fee that has been disclosed no kind of numbers in terms of how is much he a he's tam paid. player yeah. where is he it's really interesting and we'll find out probably at near the end of the season how much he was at least paid at least uh, so I mean you know is he kind of looked at as the heir to the Donington Nagby position he likely is but in terms of the production he maybe we shouldn't expect that from him but uh, I mean he was very productive when he was playing on uh, any of the you know when he was starting when he was coming in I mean it was uh, he was a guy that you know he came right in and started producing and performing and I think uh, yeah he's a guy that um, yeah we desperately I think needed to really I think make this move and absolutely make sure I think that you know give him a preseason give him more time with the team and let him fully settle in. and he had enough time he spent half a season to make quite a few appearances but he offers a little bit of a different dynamic and I know that he has some detractors but I think what he's good at is he's much better in the final third than some of our other midfielders he's one of the few midfielders that Atlanta had had last season that when he would play a ball in, in defeat of somebody he would actually make a run into the box run to Nagby was not a player that made a lot of runs into the box because he would control the play and make the passes around the area when you were switching the play. Rometty started moving forward a bit more as the season went on, and I think that's something that, depending on what formation Atlanta United play, and should they sign an actual holding midfielder, you could see some more of. But I think Emerson Hyndman has more, and I think he has room to grow. He is still a younger player, and I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. But he's tidy on the ball, and I think he'll have a bright future with Atlanta United. Yeah, agreed. I mean, is he a person that we're looking to, you know, uh, put up DP numbers and, you know, really control the game like Don Tanagui? No. And uh, I think that's a pretty resounding there. But in terms of... I think of, he can contribute more goals than Nagby can. Yes, absolutely. And so I think that's really where we, yeah, we do need to, you know, have more goals from different places, different sources other than Joseph Martinez. And so this is a great start from that. Uh, so moving on from that, our first preseason match has been announced and it is Birmingham Legion. Uh, they're a USL side, and so it will be interesting in February on February 8th 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, they're also called the Magic City. Was this kind of a Magic City Derby of sorts? I mean, it's gonna be, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting, but, uh, you know, and that's a hat tip to ATL Polo on Twitter for uh, kind of penning that, but um, it'll be, I think, yeah, I mean, a team that, you know, it's kind of gonna be in kind of similar, they're starting their season as well. I don't know how, you know, good of a competition this really is for us, but at least games that we could see them play is at least better than what we had last year, where they went to California, it rained the whole time, and then, uh, you know... We had a terrible preseason. Terrible preseason. They uh, they played some, like, college sides, essentially, and it was only open to the media, and they didn't look all that good. <laughs> they played, like, Tijuana's, like, 300 team when they exactly. had guys with three-digit numbers and it's like, what is going on right now? Right. And yeah, so I think this we will at least, uh, and why they did that, it makes more sense, of course, because Frank DeBoer, he was trying to ingratiate the team and himself and maybe not play in front of people, in front of the public when, you know, they're still working out the kinks. This this time is a lot different. You know, there's going to be, I think, more of a, a rapport that he's already had, of course. And uh, yeah, it would just be, you know, I think... We really need just better competition that we're facing, but it's difficult because there's, you know, what are we going to play some like Liga MX teams They're in the middle of their season? They're not interested in playing. not going to do it. And uh, so it, it is difficult. I mean, what do you do? So you can, you're going to have to play teams like this or you play other MLS sites, but you don't want to show your hand too much. They're going to be in the region probably as well. I mean, last year we played LAFC and Seattle Sounders and they were okay. They, they were okay matches, but... Uh, yeah, we just need more and better matches uh, to really gear up for the regular season. But uh, moving on from that, uh, there's a tweet from Gustavo Rodriguez on Twitter uh, where he pretty much like kind of tweeted out what LGP said as a guest on No Todo Pasa TYC uh, or TYC Sports. Uh, and so basically he said, and LGP like, Kind of went through a whole bunch of things, but he said uh, of the thoughts, when you get to MLS, you don't want to leave. Interesting there. Uh, he said also, PT is happy at LA United because it's a quiet environment. It's good to hear. Uh, he also said, I miss Tata, but we have adapted to a different style of play with Frank DeBoer. And then also uh, he said that the technical sporting director, Carlos Bocanegra has a lot of power. And then also that the player has to maintain a demeanor off the pitch. And finally, that I've always been a River fan. So, uh, very interesting. He's not going to Boca, so if you ever see that rumor, it's never going to happen. Right. But he has said that he would go if, uh, you know, he was transferred there. But, you know, I think most, most players are just like, you know, okay, if I'm being paid, all right, you know, it could be a lot worse than or River. So. I don't know. I think that runs pretty deep. Uh, it usually does, but yeah. I, I don't know. And maybe now that he's, you know, played with PT, it would be like... I don't see. I don't think I could ever see LGP <laughs> playing for Boca. That's just me. Yeah. And uh, and so also, uh, you know, you have that little bit of that, uh, you know, you don't want to leave when you, you know, get to MLS. That's really interesting. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it shows that, you know, if there is an impasse with LGP, like, yeah, he's still wants to be here I think and so uh, you know maybe he does have two options 
it's one of those things like okay he doesn't even know like that's we don't so even know who knows i just want to keep him here because i like right. lgp i think he's one of the best defenders in the league right and you know i think he, he could be here for a very long time for a large chunk of his career and i'd be a-okay with that right and uh and the fact that that he said that pt is happy here i mean that's really really important i feel like because you know obviously river fans are absolutely nuts renowned for being nuts the whole river boca derby is just uh, that's insane. It's the pinnacle of Schutthauser. Exactly. It's the super classical for a reason. And so, yeah, it is, uh, I think, good in that sense that he finds some peace maybe here. Uh, maybe he can find that kind of... Um, no one's setting his car on fire, so no that's a good start. <laughs> Very true. Uh, and I think most of the times, so yeah, unless you're an Atlanta United fan, uh, you probably, he could probably you know float around and not be really noticed. So uh, not too bad for that. But anyway, moving on from that really informative tweet, uh, it is the anniversary of the MLS Cup win, uh, which has, of course, you know, it's been, it's a year of just, uh, you know, it's sad that, of course, we didn't win this year, but you can reminisce on last year's. The U.S. men's national team. <laughs> yep. Miles Robinson. Anyway, I'm not gonna bring a bad thing yep. down. Yes, one year ago, good times. If you haven't seen Jay Riddle's video, by the way, go yeah. look up Jay Riddle. He made a very funny video about <laughs> the one year anniversary of the MLS Cup. But uh, it's just- It's just good memories. It's good memories. You know, and it's it's one of those uh, where, you know, just every bit of it, uh, just how fortunate we were to uh, be able to watch it from where we were. Be in the building even is just fantastic. Uh, not knowing, um, you know, if, we were going to win, but it is like, you know, we had a really good feeling going yeah. into the game. I felt really confident going into yeah. the game. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, that first goal, just, it's just so good. It's, it's like, when that first going in, I think everyone knew we weren't losing. Yeah. It's just like, that. There's it's just not happening. Portland, it ain't your night. I'm sorry. Exactly. It, it, there was something magical in the air. And then, plus, even, you know, even though we heard a little bit of the Portland Timbers fans, you know, from the other side, it was like, okay, you know, this... I think if uh, if they were given a, a proper like allotment, which of course they complained about, five thousand or so. <laughs> I mean, it would have been uh, even greater atmosphere. But I think it was, I mean, already amazing. Uh, but of course, when Franco scores second goal, like, when that hits, it's just yes, you Rap. know, it is a cup for Atlanta, and it just really uh, puts away kind of uh, a little bit of a curse for Atlanta sports. Uh, in terms of major sports anyway, so... Depends on who you are, at least. Right. There are, yeah, exactly. But, anyway, so it is uh, just very, very good memories. And, of course, you also have the 2018 MLS Cup Parade, which was uh, beautiful to be part of the, just the hysteria. You weather know. wasn't great. <laughs> weather wasn't great, but in terms of the memories, they were all very, very good. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, you just, uh, you know... the all this like huge crowd following the it was like supposed to be an organized parade with like oh you have a parade pass so you get to walk with and i was just like f that and just yeah. everyone just kind of like amoeba into the whole thing and it was just a whole crowd of people that was like a walking party yeah. where everyone just walked along through the streets and it was it was incredible because yeah, it was one of those things where like, it was supposed to be like, again, it was supposed to be organized and the Atlanta fans were like, we don't do this. This is not <laughs> happening. We're, we're a big family and everyone just kind of came together and it yeah. was just like, that was when I think for a lot of people, 
the night or the two nights before when you win the cup, it, the weather was even worse. But yeah. I think a lot of people, it was just this pinnacle. But then when you got to share that celebration with everyone during the day and, you know, people who maybe didn't make it to the game, it brought so many people, to, what was it, 100,000 people or so all yeah. together. Uh -huh. I mean, that's what Atlanta United's about. That was the Atlanta S Familia. That, it was just, it was incredible. Right. Seeing Tata hit the golden spike, that was <sighs> amazing. I mean, just so many, so many good moments. Jeff but, holding a sign that says, like, give, who has beer? Throw beer. Throw beer. beer. <laughs> uh, incredible. I mean, just like other sides of uh, the players that you don't normally see, just great, great scenes. But, uh, so moving on from that, uh, Zeko Barco, speaking of winning trophies for teams, Ezekiel Barker was honored by his former club Independiente for his contributions in the 2017 Copa Sudamericana. And yeah, he got to hold up his uh, jersey all framed up to the crowd and they were just showering him with love. Uh, really great to see because it's just, uh, you know, you know, he's a guy that um, because of that, I mean, sort of great to see. We got we had to pay a little bit more, but you know he is a guy that uh, is integral to our plans. And uh, but it's also interesting because yes. now speaking he's, of paying more, yeah, speaking of paying more, there are transfer rumors now, uh, and there have been, of course, from the past weeks. But uh, there apparently is a price on him now, and that is twenty five million dollars for. Uh, at least maybe the starting point for Ezeko Barco, and that's really interesting. I mean, that's at least uh, 10 million above what we paid for him. Uh, it still wouldn't net us too much in terms of if we sold him in January. Um, that doesn't really return us a whole lot. I still don't see that January move happening, even for yeah. 25 million. I mean, it's just, I think it's something we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. 25 million, I think, is a good starting number. I think uh, if you're at Atlanta, I think you want to hit 30. If he has a great start to his season and you do well in the CONCACAF Champions League and he puts in big performances against potential Mexican sides, then I think that price tag goes up. Right. If you get an offer for $30 million during the summer, you have to take that because it's a, it's a, it's a you know, it breaks the MLS record fee for a transfer. That is a massive amount of money for an MLS team to make $30 million off of a transfer. I'm pretty sure at that point in time, the clause to Independiente in terms of how big it is has dropped off. It does. So you'll get the money you paid for him, plus a big chunk, obviously MLS, unless the CBA changes between now and then in that weird thing where MLS gets the money goes away, which I doubt it does, unfortunately, you're still gonna net over $20 million for one player, which is a big windfall and you can't say no to that. Exactly, and so, you know, if it does happen, it will be sad to see Ezekiel Barker go, but uh, I think if he earns that move, he'll probably have earned that for LA United as well. We'll probably have some, a good run of, uh, of games in which he was performing. So I think, uh, you know, it'll work out for all sides if that did happen. Uh, it just, it's that kind of replacement. And hopefully and it's a good one. those rumors are going to keep coming for him, kind of like it was with Miggy. Yep, indeed. Anyway, but uh, so moving on from that, a new player for LNUI 2 has arrived, and his name is Jack William Gurr. Uh, he had played with the Georgia Revolution, and yeah, welcome to LNUI 2. They've been collecting some players, so... It's uh, like a pirate. Yeah, it's a little bit. Jack William Gurr. Jack William Gurr. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, so moving on from that, a... Uh, 
not really Atlanta United news, but in the area of Georgia news in terms of soccer, East Atlanta FC has joined USL League Two. Uh, and that's not exactly East Atlanta, East Atlanta, or like the, uh, yeah, that version of it. It's kind of more like near Stone Mountain, so it's like, not really Atlanta, but, all right. But, uh, um, yeah, they're going to join the Deep South Division in 2020, but, you know, more soccer in Atlanta, I feel like, is always a good thing. So, uh, more, you know, more of this sport for other people to see, always great. But uh, anyway, last bit of news and a little lighthearted stuff is that in the social media of Michael Parkhurst, he was out golfing with former Five Stripe Mark Bloom. And uh, yeah, he got kind of got clowned by Miggy and Joseph in the comment section, just laughing at his form, laughing at just uh, his, age. his age. It was, yeah, I mean, you know, generally when you golf, it's usually when you're a little older than Sands, Julian Gressel, but, um, and maybe LGP, I guess. I mean, they're kind of around the same age, actually. It, but anyway, uh, it's usually when you're a little older, you start golfing. And so, yeah, they've been uh, kind of ragging on him a little bit. He's retired now. Let him do what he wants. Exactly. I mean, you know, just let the man, uh, you know. Let the man golf in peace. Let the man kind of grow, grow gray. But anyway, uh, that's it for the news and gets us to the buy or sell segment. And essentially, we put up an Alien United topic and we say if we buy or sell and give our reasons why. So first topic is Alien United will defeat Matagua with both legs, in both legs rather, unlike I hope with, we have both, uh, with legs. both legs. Exactly. Although, never mind. <laughs> In oh god, uh, they apparently are the murder capital city of the world. So yeah, maybe going there, you know, maybe not in a way I'm planning on. Yeah, maybe not the the idea that we won't really want to do. But uh, so saying that whole thing again, LA United will defeat Matagua in both legs, unlike with Herediano last year. By ourselves. By I think being the, the team having that continuity, having a preseason that I think will be much better, you know, having the staff and possibly a few new additions to the team, I think they're gonna come out, they're gonna mean business. They learned last year was their first experience in the Champions League. I think they'll know what to expect in terms of facilities, atmosphere, pitch, officiating, and I think they're gonna be a lot more settled and they're gonna come out firing. I think they take care, honestly, I think they take care of things in the first leg. I think they go down there and win, get a few away goals and rest players in that second leg, or that's not necessarily rest, but they're able to make some subs earlier in the second half to where they're not risking injury or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I also buy as well. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that I agree that they've learned some things and also how to shit house a little bit better as well. I mean, the U.S. Open Cup final, anybody? I mean, you know, fun, I think we fun. definitely, as the season went on, even yeah. in the Club America game in the Campeones yeah. Cup, the team had to learn how to shit house. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is that like shithousery and professionally seeing a game out is actually like the same thing. Learning how to see a game out. That's what the teams that win in, in the Champions League in Europe are the best at. Those teams that know how to waste time in a way that grinds the game down, breaks up the other team's rhythm, takes anything that they have away from them, and then just sees the game out and takes care of business. That's the thing, Atlanta learned how to do that. It mm -hmm. took some time, but I think they're gonna do that and continue to get better at that. Right, and then, because also, I mean, you know, the lesson to learn maybe from the Monterey first leg as well. Make substitutions? Yeah, Maybe well, we didn't learn that? Yeah, maybe not, not just that part. Not, that's not what I'm referring to, but also that, yeah, before that, we should have maybe sought out, sought out the game a little bit uh, more and realized that, okay, 1-0, okay, going back home is not maybe as bad as 3-0. 
So, you know, there is that kind of, uh, you know, how do you see out this match so that is the best result possible, no matter if you're winning or losing, because there are two legs. So, uh, I think there is, uh, I think, a little bit of, um, you know, they, they've learned. There's a little bit of a curve. Maybe the whole, uh, you know, from Frank Bor's side, there's still a little bit to be desired, but uh, we'll see. So, anyway, next buy or sell topic. Emerson Hyman will play in 25 or more matches in 2020. I will super buy this because I think he will start 25 or more matches in 2020. Mm. I think that he is going to be a big part of what Atlanta wants to do. I think he fits Frank DeBoer's system really well. I don't know who will play alongside him, but I think he will play. He will play a lot, and I think he will score a few goals. I could even see him maybe reaching double digits in all competitions. Oh, uh, goals. Yeah. Oh, I think he could. I think okay. he could. Okay, I dig it. Um, yeah, I think I yeah I buy buy as well. It's just uh, yeah, I mean uh, it's gonna be difficult. I think does he is he the you know the guy that is the guy to build around in the midfield? I mean that's really the question because you know if it's he and Eric Rometty, okay, um, you know there's still something lacking in, in in that so. You know, we need something else in terms of control. So I think he'll function best. I think he functions best in a midfield three. Yeah, and so if uh, you know, if there's another player that's brought in, or if it's Ezekiel Barco that kind of has to play a little bit further back, a little bit more, um, maybe it's that. But it's, I think, yeah, it's gonna be difficult. I think to say that he starts like all 34 games. I just don't think. And again, I want to clarify all competitions, meaning U.S. Yeah, Open Cup, Champions League, that whole thing. Yeah. But I just don't think he's like the automatic starter in MLS. So, yeah, I think there's a, uh, you know, he's going to play more than 25. It's just going to be more spread out within the competitions. But anyway, uh, last buyer sale topic. Brooks Lennon reportedly wants number 12, according to a Doug Robertson tweet. And uh, Miles Robinson will give up number 12 since he once wore number six buyer sale. Um... I'm going to sell because Miles Robinson, it's like he was runner up to MLS Defender of the Year. No offense, Brooks Lennon, you don't come in and take man's number unless he wants to give it away. I mean, you can ask him, you could pay him for it. Yeah, I you mean, might that kind of happens. Him. I mean, there's some big numbers available. Four is available because Pogba's gone. Three is available because Parky retired. Would Miles Robinson want to take those numbers on? I don't know. Number it's, three, man, I, yeah. Yeah, it's traditionally like it's, a left back number as well. Yeah, traditionally a left back wears three, so it's like weird to see a center back wear three, but four, I mean, maybe six. I don't really see him wearing six. I always think of midfielders wearing six, but that's just me. But he did wear number four. Nah, I'm, at the end of the day, I think Miles Robinson keeps 12. I think he's happy with 12. And if he yeah. takes anything, at four. Take four. Don't take six. I don't <laughs> want six for a defender. It's just me. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm weird with numbers. Exactly. Well, he's, uh, he, I guess he's a purist or something. But uh, no, I, I also sell. I think uh, Brooks Lennon, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think he's got enough pull here. He's you haven't played a game to, yet, my guy. Yeah, he's going to have to do something maybe. But uh, Score and, a banger. Yeah, and especially in Miles Robinson game. having, you know, played so well in number 12. Hard pressed for you to change your number after that. Yeah, people I'm superstitious are, about that. Yeah, people are super superstitious about those type of things, and so once you start, you switch and you play well in it. I mean, you, you pretty much can't, right? So I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't think it happens. But uh, anyway, so that does it for buy or sell, and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Just continue to do so, and we might answer your questions in the future. First question comes from Josemar Medina. 
What do you guys think about the expanded 24 club World Club World Club Champions League in 2021? Is it like the World Club Championships or something or the other? Only reason I know is I've been playing Football Manager and I just figured out about this competition and it's in the worst time in the world if you're a European club because it takes, I think, the top two if you make the finals. I think you go to this thing and it's like middle of June and the timing's awful. You already play a bunch of games. You have... You have two other teams in your group, you play those games and then you advance like a knockout tournament style. It's just a whole thing and then it's probably going to be in the Middle East or the Far East, not here. There's a lot of travel in the middle of the season. I'm not a fan, I'm going to be honest. Like I like the idea, but I don't need more soccer in my life. I know that sounds weird, but like it's just a whole nother tournament, a bunch of games. I like the current rendition in a way. It's kind of silly and usually the team from Europe wins, whatever, but 24 teams for a Club World Cup, it's just super unnecessary. Yeah, it is uh, convoluted in a lot of ways. And so I think, yeah, you know, the amount of travel that you're going to do midweek, I mean, that's, it's already pretty bad for, uh, I mean, uh, that's not even like MLS. You know, I think you go on pause. I think you'd crazy, pause. You pause MLS because yeah. if you're, I think what would happen is, is all this is played within like a two, three week period, and yeah. you'd be in the area where you'd be playing it because yeah. you wouldn't leave. You'd play like a game every three days or something yeah. like that, and it's just like, nah, it ain't the one. I'm yeah. not a fan. I'm not a fan. It's a yeah. I think there needs to be some revisions to maybe some. Stuff I hope it just doesn't stuff, happen, but, but it probably will because FIFA. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so next question comes from Cortez three seventy. Is PT 100% committed to Atlanta United? Because his Insta story has nothing but River Plate stuff. Now, I've noticed that as well. Uh, it's one of those, I think we just mentioned that LGP said that PT is really happy in Atlanta. Now, that could just be placating and you know him saying stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, PT Martinez has River in his heart. I mean, it's really, that's clear. Uh, he has said that he wants a move to Europe as well. But he's happy at, at Atlanta, so... Uh, he won't get paid at River what he's getting paid in Atlanta, so yeah. he's not going back to River. Is he 100% committed to Atlanta? Probably not in that I think he still has his heart set on a move to Europe. But that being said, I think he's going to give everything he can while he's in Atlanta so he can get that move. But yeah, he loves River. He's that's that's He won Copa Libertadores against Boca. I mean, that club's always going to mean something, and he is always going to mean something to that club because of what he did for them. So... You know, it's just one of those things where former players, they, they have that history. Same thing with Barco and Independiente. Obviously not to the level of PT and River because Old River is one of the biggest clubs in South America. So, right. so yeah, it's just, uh, it's different levels of it. And as long as he plays well for Atlanta United, then that's all I'm worried about. So, uh, hopefully he does play better next season. So, uh, next question comes from Ward Jerk. How do you feel about games at Kennesaw Stadium? So, uh, yeah, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'll expand a little yeah, bit okay. further. I mean, basically, I mean, not only the parking and not only the, uh, the you know, driving up there is difficult, the traffic, uh, especially sometimes on the start times, it, you know, you're pretty much in just dead stop traffic going up there. I have to pee every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just difficult uh, if you don't live close. And uh, I understand that there's a lot of people that come from a lot of other places that deal with this all the time but uh you know i think it's on top of the you know where it's a champions league game you want it to be uh at the best venue possible and it's not going to be and you know it's i get it yeah fifth third bank stadium is a decent stadium in terms of 
the intimacy, the uh, the way it plays is pretty good. But and the sidelines are, are you know quite quite good. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I just there's something about it that just rubs me just the wrong way. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain the hardest. It's um, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be much much worse. There are worse venues. It could be in the city. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of it either. I mean, I'm more of a fan of it than I was last year. I don't mind it. Like we said, Atlanta didn't knock on wood hasn't lost there yet. I like being close to the pitch. I think it's nice to be tight. You know, it's very intimate. But the points are still saying the parking's awful. Getting out is awful. Getting there is awful. The stadium's great. But that's about it. And I, I hope Monster Jam can figure out a different date of the year to start having their stuff, and we don't get this happening. But yeah, I'd prefer Champions League games to be played at the bins, just like every other game. I would prefer to be played at the bins. I'm annoying, I live inside the perimeter, it's convenient, and the stadium is nicer. But bias aside, or bias aside, it is, yeah, I mean, um, because of the deal, yes, it also works. Also climate out. control. Also climate control, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I mean, if it's hot or rainy or any of that, you know, you don't have to deal with it. I mean, you know, it, it really is, we're spoiled. Yeah, but much, we're spoiled. <laughs> But anyway, uh, the next question comes from the Alex Novak. Favorite memory from the parade? From the parade? I mean, I think I kind of have to drop a favorite memory from the game in there first, if that's okay. The fact is for me, like my dad got to come down yeah. and I got to watch the game with my dad. Like we, we went to the game together and my dad is one of the main reasons why I'm a soccer fan. You know, he got me watching Manchester United back in the mid 2000s, which is really what started my love of the game. And to be able to share that moment with them was just really, really special. Yeah. And it was really, really cool. But then with the parade, it was just, again, kind of what we touched on earlier, just that whole family atmosphere where it was like, it, it was just a total celebration for everyone that was there. You knew what it meant. You were sharing something together. And it's something you don't get really experienced too often, that just communal enjoyment of something that means so much to you. Honestly, the entire parade was just an incredible feeling and just, it was great. Yeah, no, I, okay, so uh, I won't go into the MLS uh, Cup win because we kind of already talked about that, but uh, yeah, so in terms of favorite memory from the parade, yeah, I love that we shut down the city pretty much. Um, it really kind of dispels the notion of Atlanta not being a soccer town, a sports town. Um, you know, when you see that scene, when you see just the shrouds of people surrounding a bus and it not being able to move, I mean, that pretty much encompasses it completely. That bus driver had to have taken a lot of Xanax because like <laughs> exactly. the anxiety of all those people there right. would have just driven me insane. The insurance risks of all of that is just insane, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, just from, you know, all the, uh, from Darren Eel saying the South's got something to say to, um, you know, just really, it was just through and through a beautiful, beautiful day that, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just look fondly on every single time that I, I look at the pictures, think about it, and um, hopefully we get another one. Hopefully we get many more because this is what this team's all about. They want to win trophies and we're here for it. We are absolutely here for it. But uh, last question comes from Josemar Medina. Can ATL win this Scotia Bank Champions League with the MLS current limitations? Gotta get that sponsor in there. Um. The bracket's really difficult. Can yeah. they? 
Yeah, you could definitely they could definitely win. You have to get lucky. You have to play some really good games, and I think you have to sacrifice. I think you learned from last year. You have to sacrifice those first few MLS games. You have to rotate the squad, and I think that's something DeBoer will do this time around. If we're advancing, you if you're playing Club America and you have a chance to win that tie, you're rotating. You're not playing your strongest eleven on the weekend in MLS. That being said, if the rules are opened up a bit, if somehow with the CBA things are allowed to be a bit more flexible and you're allowed to have more depth and add more quality to certain parts of the roster and really fill it out top to bottom with, with really solid players, then you're going to have a better chance at winning. I mean, at the end of the day, Monterey's squad last year was worth, I believe, $30 million more than Atlanta United's. Monterey would have had 11 or 12 designated players or players on designated player wages. Atlanta United has three. So... You have to be able to have players of that quality in all positions of the pitch in order to compete with those clubs. And I hope that that's the way the MLS will move. Maybe not quickly, but maybe in steps. Hopefully they can start to take that handbrake off a little bit. But that being said, still, can't I add a win right now? Yeah, absolutely. You got a guy named Joseph Martinez and a guy like Pity Martinez and a guy like Ezekiel Barco. Those players have experiences in big time games, especially Barco and PT Martinez. They've played in South America. They've played in Conan Ball. Sudamericana and the Copa Libertadores make the Champions League look like a Sunday league at the end of the day. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of true. But um, yeah, it is to that degree. I mean, you know, we are one of the teams that are looked at as one of the favorites to win it. I mean, if you look at the other side of that bracket, it's like okay, Seattle Sounders, but are they looked at as one of the players or teams that are going to win this? I mean, I don't, I don't think much more than an LAFC or Atlanta United. So. Uh, in terms of MLS sides, we're probably one of the more likely for sure. And in terms of against the Liga Ameki side, of course, it's going to be difficult. Um, yes, we have those limit, limit, limitations that really hinder us in competing with that. I mean, if you look at over in Europe, it's like they have like 12 to 15 like DPs essentially comparatively. It's really difficult. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, our... I think we showed some really good depth against Club America uh, in that sense when you know we had to rotate and we did play very well. Uh, now, do note that Jonathan Nagby did start that match, and so it would be interesting yeah. if he got through. Uh, but you know, because we do need somebody that does what he does. Because he's just he's on that level. Yeah, it's just it really is a difference, and so <sighs> it really will be hard. We really need to replicate something. Uh, maybe through a couple players, few players, but um, yes, I think we can win. We just, yeah, we have to have a lot more luck maybe on our side maybe than even last year because right now as the team is constructed, we don't know, but it is not maybe the strongest depth-wise at the moment. So I'm, I'm basing that though we can win based upon the team making some strong signings right. and potentially some CBA fluctuations mm -hmm. in terms of us being able to spend a little bit more money. Right. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things need to happen between now and then to begin with, but I think we're very positive LA United fans in that sense that we will... I mean, pretty much... We'll revisit this again in February. Yeah, we will. But <laughs> we're going we're gonna to bank on the team uh, anyway. You know, despite all, we, that, we so. didn't say we would. We said we can. Full disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And guys, the question of the day—it's pretty simple. It's been a one-year anniversary. What was your favorite memory of winning MLS Cup and/or the parade? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. 
Tanner. I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah!